Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Politically Depressed. As always, I'm your host, Eamon McAdam. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about a few things. For those that have been following the last two episodes, there is another Helga update. For everybody else, uh, I will be talking a bit about the Golden Globes. Not in terms of who won what or what happened to who or I don't care. It's the fact that it happened and it's kind of an extreme example of something that I think a lot of us are feeling, but it's very hard to put into words, which is this feeling of increasingly separate planes of existence, you know? I didn't know that the Golden Globes happened this weekend, but when I discovered it was just anything that's being written about it or anything that I've seen of it, it's all incredibly gauche and crass, and it feels really disgusting, given the context that the United States is completely funding and supporting and backing diplomatically and militarily and in all ways, an ongoing genocide. It's been 95 days. Before I get into all that, I wanted to talk a little bit about something I've been experiencing, which is I have been feeling really, really depressed and really sad and finding myself wanting to cry. I can't. And I realized that since I've moved here, since I've left Lebanon, I've lost access to the places and the spaces and the relationships that would allow me to essentially cry to let out some of these feelings uh, that have just been bottling up for the last few months, in reality for the last few years. I talked to a friend of mine. They gave me a little piece of advice that I really appreciated. They said, have you tried listening to some music? And the reason this kind of touched me is because I have noticed that I don't listen to music as much as I used to, and music was always a kind of connector for me, a way of relating, of of being a bit sort of introspective. Uh, it may sound a bit silly, but I have this sort of routine uh, whenever, whenever anybody close to me passes. I would put on a record, which is just this sort of um, violin concerto by Tchaikovsky. And it's a great performance, but I don't know, it gets me sobbing. It's a beautiful piece, and it it's, has this weird hopefulness that's kind of, I don't know, there's a kind of there's a kind of feeling of a conflict between life and the inevitability of death that I kind of read into <laughs> that uh, that particular piece. But more so than anything else, it just really gets me, it, it opens me up and I'm able to cry. So when I went back to Beirut, I actually did bring back a bunch of my records. Uh, that's another thing that I feel separated from, which was my record collection. And so I've been very hesitant about this over the last few years, but I'm I'm going to buy a new record player. It's going to be a bit of money, but I think I've done without it for too long, and it's done me no good, and I miss it. And it's one of those things that I feel disconnected from that I, I can reconnect with, so I'm going to do that. I kind of realized some of these things in therapy, and that's another thing that I wanted to talk about, is that I'm not going to therapy anymore. And I'm looking for a new therapist, so if anyone knows anyone good. Um, I'm even considering online therapists, because the selection seems pretty slim here in Vienna, uh, once you discount all the non-English speakers. I'm left with just a bunch of white people that I can't really relate with. Uh, my last therapist, actually, the one that I've basically just kind of broken up with, 
was this white guy from Germany. He was nice enough. He was Gestalt, which is this German school of psychotherapy, which is basically summed up with the phrase, the here and now. And I went to him for about a year and a half. But I don't know, I think towards the end, it started becoming really clear and apparent that I couldn't actually relate to him and he couldn't relate to me. And I found it really frustrating because whenever I would talk politics or, you know what I mean, like lived experience politics or whatever is going on back home, you know, it's been the last two years and Lebanon has just continuously deteriorated economically and politically. He would kind of just be listening and whatever. But then as soon as I stop, he would just ask me something like, what do you feel in your body right now? It just felt kind of dismissive. There was ultimately this feeling that even though, yes, I do have a tendency to over-intellectualize things and not pay enough attention to my emotions, in certain cases, I don't know. The The political thing isn't just a distraction. Like, it is the the issue that I'm working through, that I'm trying to make sense of. So to have this white guy tell, basically tell me that, like, ah, politics isn't a part of it, it's it feels shitty, but it also just kind of replicates the exact problem one of the main problems I've been having the last two years here in Europe, which is that's basically everybody, um, everybody as in white Europeans who I'm surrounded by, uh, really have this tendency to think that politics is always just something that happens over there. You know, there's this deep ingrained feeling wherein politics is just something to be discussed and not something that's lived and not something that is completely tied to people's actual lives. And so what I found myself doing with this therapist is just kind of talking to him as him, as a white person. I had this huge hesitancy to talk about anything because I I don't want to be seen through the white gaze, you know what I mean? Um, but when I realized that for two years I've been talking about, you know, my issues being surrounded by white people talking to a white person about this, I started asking him some questions and it was still difficult and I honestly just did not feel safe in the end. And he couldn't really assure me that I felt safe. I heard a horrible, horrible story from I think Denmark of a Palestinian man whose family was killed in Gaza. And he had said to the therapist that, you know, in his grief he said he wanted he he wishes he could um martyr himself so he could be with his family. And this white therapist calls the cops. Because to her, she, in her white mind, can only understand the concept of martyrdom in this very orientalized, very war-on-terror understanding of it, where it's, oh, he wants to, like, do a terrorist act. It also just goes to show how little they understand about us, and our language, and our culture, and how we're kind of all potential threats, we're all suspect, you know, as Arabs. And that's kind of been a new reality. And I just, towards the end, the last time I saw this therapist was about two months ago. And yeah, I've, I'm not going back to him. I think it's the right choice. But in lieu of therapy, <laughs> I think I'm basically doing the meme. Men will literally start a podcast instead of going to therapy. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'm sublimating. I think I'm trying to actually do what I would have done had I had a proper therapist. I'm still looking. The funny thing that I realized at the time was that I stayed with him for so long because I had an imaginary therapist in my head. And 
she was kind of like a straw, a straw person who everything that I didn't like about him, I would imagine that she would know she would be better. So, you know, and I kind of imagine her as being an Arab, a cool kind of, I don't know, psychoanalysis mixed with whatever, anti-capitalist, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Just like a cool therapist, POC gal. And so she wouldn't dismiss me talking about politics. She would, quote unquote, you know, get it. And what's really funny about that is I have a Syrian friend in the US who went to a therapist. It was sort of a new experience for them. And the therapist, although an immigrant woman from South Asia, she didn't get it. <laughs> she was the opposite of this imaginary therapist that I had in my mind. She did the exact same thing. She sort of was super dismissive and it was like, can you stop talking about war? And like, I don't know, the problem, is it not probably more about your childhood or whatever? So imagine telling a Syrian person like, oh, I don't think we should be talking about war. That doesn't seem like the real problem here. And so, yeah, for me, therapy is a bit of a shit show and still haven't found the therapist, but I'm looking. So, yeah. So, Helga update. Uh, this is the moment y'all have been waiting for. For keen listeners of the show, you'll already know. But for those that haven't listened to the last two episodes, Helga is my 82-year-old neighbor who... Okay, it's actually quite sad. I'm sorry to sound a bit chipper, but basically she's kind of been harassing us because she's going through basically numerous health and mental health crises. She uh, rang our doorbell on New Year's Day at 9 a.m. and our intercom on the 3rd of January at 8 a.m. The first time she was accusing us, me and my partner, of breaking into her apartment and breaking her washing machine, which just is a very... Um, was very bizarre to hear. Uh, and on the third, because she'd locked herself out of her apartment, because she had just changed the keys, because she was super convinced that we did break into her apartment and break her watching machine. So continuation of this saga happens on January 6th, when at 9am, we're woken up from the doorbell, and my partner opens up the door, and it's the cops. She called the cops on us. She actually so believes that my partner broke into her apartment. Again, and this is someone who we've only had decent relations, decent to good relations with. We were really helpful when she was in hospital. We took care of her cat. We There's been a lot. But she called the cops. And it was a bit, it was fine. Nothing's going to happen. Um, the cop was actually, she was really understanding she said something really funny, actually, when my partner opened the door. She said, oh, I, I didn't actually think you were real, you know, because it's very clear that Helga's making stuff up. So, yeah, so I don't know. My partner went down and dealt with the whole situation. And basically, again, they, the cops knew what was going on. They get it. And again, really sad fact. They said that they've been getting a lot of calls like this. And it happens usually around this time of year because... Older people in Vienna, you know, not as much family, Christmas time, so there's like a lot of family-oriented stuff, and they get even sadder, and honestly, there's so much about the situation that's like really depressing, but it's, but she called the cops on us. That's like a, an escalation, and um, yeah, but also we can't really blame her, because she's not in control of her faculties, clearly. Yeah, 
so cops gave us a kind of number to call, like, to contact the state, essentially, and, like, the health services, because, yeah, since she has no family that's, like, willing or able to take care of her, we've had to kind of talk to whatever state agency and be like, there's this person who's kind of going through numerous crises and has been essentially kind of lashing out at us as a result of it, and we don't know what to do, so... We're, we're going to wait to see what happens. It's been very weird. It's it's not how I thought this year would start. And it's just kind of been taking a lot out of us. <laughs> but uh, that's the Helga update. I really hope this doesn't become a series. Because it feels a bit weird to kind of milk this situation for content. But anyway. What I really want to talk about is the Golden Globes. I didn't know that they were going to happen this weekend. Honestly, awards and stuff like this always catch me by surprise. On a normal year, I usually just don't care because, I don't know, all these award ceremonies are basically just rich white people congratulating themselves for mostly really mediocre output. But yeah, but right now, like as the genocide is still unfolding, as massacres are happening every day as people across the united states are protesting you know joe biden's speech the other day was kind of heckled well heckled there are protesters that disrupted his speech at a church they're blocking roads there are people that are still blocking like ports and stopping weapons munitions from heading to israel they're protesting all over and so and not just in the u.s obviously but just since the Golden Globes happens in the U.S. and the U.S. is like the main, like it's not just a sponsor. I think people should stop calling it like a U.S. sponsored thing. It's it is the U.S. and Israel um, doing this, and so to see all these incredibly wealthy people, these celebrities who are kind of modern day lower aristocracy, you know, in lieu of the princes and the heirs and the whatever and the dukes, we have Midrashu, Brad Pitt, and whatever sort of just living it up and having fun. And then obviously all these articles about, oh, did Taylor Swift get whatever? And look at this photo of Billie Eilish. And it's so fucked up. It's so... I don't know how to keep reality together. I think that sums up what I'm trying to describe. I don't know how to keep all the pieces of reality together. It just doesn't make any sense anymore. How can these people do this and and the machinery of of essentially of capitalism and white supremacy and imperialism just just goes on unhindered uh there was maybe like a week two weeks three weeks where people content creators and writers and and uh, whatever were kind of more hesitant to just do anything and now it's just you open instagram and twitter and people are just back to making their bullshit content as though there's nothing going on and it's kind of similar to the feeling of how difficult it is and alienating it is to see people just going on with their lives and kind of being unaffected and um, as though this is kind of normal, you know, oh, this type of shit happens all the time. And no, it's, it doesn't. This is a genocide. Like when we say genocide, it is not just a legal term. It is, I think, an expression of the worst thing that can be done, that humans can do to other humans. I don't know what else, what, what, what's stronger than genocide. I don't think it exists, and that's what we're des- describing. And so seeing, you know, footage daily 
and kind of understanding, at least trying to, because I think it's really impossible to truly grasp what is happening in Gaza, but trying to, and then seeing that the Golden Globes happened, and then seeing whatever content that's coming out from it, and even the thing that's a bit nice, that some people are commenting is a good thing, but honestly I think is not, and I think it's just a horrendous thing, which is Rami, the guy who made the show Rami, uh, I think is the only person that said anything about Palestine. And it was kind of a bit of a joke. He kind of weaved it into a question about pff, Calvin Klein. And he said, well, we all want two things. We want a ceasefire and we want this person to stop making videos. And it was kind of a bit of a joke. I think that's actually really dangerous. And I think more people should call this out. And I saw one person describe it as the memification of genocide. And that's actually been an Israeli tactic. You know, you have, it's it's absurd. You have, like, people who are in the IDF, who are in the genocidal army, enacting the genocide right now, uh, called waifu. And she's kind of cute and whatever, and she's in the whole uniform, but she's posting thirst trap content on TikTok while she's doing a fucking genocide. I just don't know how we can all stay sane. And I do think it's kind of this old, who was it, Eric from, you know, a sane society. We do live in an insane society. And maintaining this kind of semblance of sanity, I think, is part of the problem, part of the delusion. But yeah, it's obviously a scary leap to kind of accept and reckon with the contradictions that we're seeing around us. Because it makes us feel insane. But in reality, reality is insane. The situation is insane. And I, I think there's this huge feeling of wanting things to go back to normal, but I think that's part of the problem. I think we do need to be much more critical of what normality is and what is what amount and types of violence are accepted under our conception of just normal living, you know, of normality. Obviously, this discussion and this discourse has existed for a very long time, but more recently, like COVID, so like, oh, I just want to go back to normal, is basically saying like, oh, I, whatever, I don't care if older people die or immunocompromised people die, uh, I want to go have sushi. Actually, this brings up a really good comparison. Sorry, sorry to call my own comparison good, but I think it is pretty good. Um, do you remember, uh, maybe like the second or third lockdown, you know? the more miserable ones, when I think it was like Kim Kardashian took her whole family and they went to an island and she made this post about it where it's like, oh, we worked so hard and we did whatever. And she got a lot of shit for it because it's like the contrast was so apparent. All of us across, like in so many places across the world were stuck at home, miserable, scared to go outside, you know, avoiding the plague. And here is Kim Kardashian, this whatever rich, bougie ass person taking her whole family on a big vacation. And so that contrast to the feeling of living in our situation in lockdown and not sure about, about how we're going to get paid, not sure about, you know, if anybody in our family or anything's going to get seriously ill or die, she's going off and doing this stuff. And there were other people like her, but I noticed that a lot of people really felt that contrast. You know, it was a, as they say, a let them eat cake moment. But I think what's happening now is that exact same thing, but it's not just one woman. It's like an industry. It's like a class. It's a race. It's a whatever. It's rich white people or middle class whatever or people in the West. It's just, it's really difficult. And I feel 
I don't know how to bridge those gaps. And oftentimes what happens, and this is what happened with my therapist to bring it back to that, is when I would bring up that there is a distance between him and I, and that distance is called whiteness, he would tell me that I'm putting a barrier between us and he's trying to reach across that barrier. And I thought that was bullshit because actually I think I'm not creating the barrier. I'm just calling attention to it. And so that's, I think, a good summary of how I've been feeling and thinking whenever I see Golden Globe shit or, I don't know, anybody just, anybody who has the privilege not to, still deciding to live their life, to not be affected by this, by throwing their hands up or perpetuating whatever. And I mean, this is the Golden Globes. I mean, a lot of these people are Zionist. A lot of these people are like explicitly. And I mean, this is Hollywood, which is very attached to American empire and American militarism and blah, 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 blah. It's just this brings up a whole other issue, which is how can we still enjoy art and music and TV shows where like, fuck, we've got to be super fucking skeptical all the time. I brought up the other day that I discovered like a few years ago that Bob Dylan, who was at the time my favorite musician, is a hardcore Zionist. It's true. Look up the song Neighborhood Bully, written during the like Israeli invasion of Lebanon. So is that a conversation of art versus artist? Or is it a conversation of how to remain sane in an insane world? These are all questions that I'll still be thinking about for a very long time. But until then, this has been another episode of Politically Depressed, which is supported by The Fire These Times, which is a media ecosystem from and for the periphery. If you want to support this project or the bigger project, you can head out to patreon.com slash firethesetimes, and even a $5 a month helps this project grow and would be greatly appreciated. And one last thing, if you're listening to this on Spotify or on Apple Podcast, please leave it a review, a five-star rating. It really helps us overcome the shitty algorithm. So that's all for me, and I'll see you next week. Bye.